And if not, we'll be in 1 Samuel 25 tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 25. We've got a story from David's life earlier, kind of earlier on in David's life before he became king. And that uh, lengthy on-the-run period from Saul, there is a quite a long story in chapter 25 that, uh, again, as if uh, I want you to try when you're, when you're reading through the Bible, when you're studying through the Bible, I hope you start to recognize things like this when, when the Bible really slows down and dedicates this many verses to a single event you know, it should cause us to stop and think about it because sometimes it's not always evident. And usually if you, if you read a story as big as this one and you don't, uh, not much is really coming out of it, I think sometimes we have to stop and go back and say, now wait a second, God, you used, uh, uh, I mean, it's 44 verses long and all but the beginning and the end is pretty much the same story. So if you're going to use 42 verses to tell something in David's life, then maybe we should look closer uh, at it tonight. But uh, again, I, I'm not going to read all 40-some, uh, but you can read uh, uh, read the rest of it when, we, uh, when you get home or later on. But we're going to start in verse 2. Um, verse 1 is really the the death of Samuel the prophet, but verse 2 of 1 Samuel 25 says this, And there was a man of Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, uh, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Uh, Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, uh, Get ye up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him uh, in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers, now thy sheep which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them, all while they were in Carmel. Uh, ask thy young men, and they will show thee, wherefore let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we will come in a good day. Uh, give, I pray thee, whatsoever uh, cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. This is the last verse we'll look at, 13. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. 
Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that tonight we would be able to dig into it. And Lord, that we could glean something tonight. Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to help teach us tonight. Lord, help point out things that we need to work on in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for this word. And Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with the unction. Lord, help it to help us to plainly, uh, plainly to give the message that you've given to me. And Lord, we thank you for all things. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. So Samuel dies in verse 1, and you know that it affected David. This was a uh, kind of a spiritual mentor to him, uh, you know, and it affected the whole nation of Israel. They're all in mourning. And, and here's the thing you get from verse 1. We didn't read it, but David wasn't able to go to the funeral. You know, King Saul uh, uh, was not, he was an enemy. Uh, of, of, he, saw king, he saw David, the future king, as an enemy. Uh, so there's David in the wilderness with his men, or the desert of Paran, and the funeral was not there. It's in uh, at another place, so he couldn't even go to the funeral because of what's going on. So you know, uh, David, you know, he's on the run uh, from Saul. Uh, uh, you know, even though he had just spared his life in the chapter before, he's still on the run. He's not in good terms. He can't go to the house of the Lord. He can't go to the funeral of Samuel. Uh, he can't do what he wants to do. Uh, and so, you know, he's in a he's in a tough spot. You know, he's in a struggle in his life or a, a prolonged trial or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so then that that's kind of how the setting is for this chapter. And then in verse two, we see this man. Uh, that was very great, and he had a th uh, three thousand sheep, a thousand goats, and it was time to shear the sheep. Uh, so we see that this is a rich man. You know, this is this is a rich man that lives uh, that is where near living where uh, David is on the run at, and where he's staying. Him and his six hundred men. Uh, so we see he's a very rich man. Nabal is, and then in verse three it describes him. It says he's churlish. Now, I had to look that up because I didn't know what that meant. But it means rude, rough-tempered, selfish, and unmanageable. So that's all in one word. That's quite a word, you know, to, to say all of those things. And then on, on top of that, the Bible says not only was he churlish in verse 3, but he's evil in his doings. Yeah. So this was a, this was not a person, yeah, not nice. You wouldn't want to dealt with him. Uh, you wouldn't want to have been around him. Uh, but you see that he's a wealthy man. Well, we can see with what the Bible's saying is he, he got his wealth taking yeah. advantage of people, uh, being selfish and everything else, and just not being fair uh, because he was evil in his dealings and everything else. So uh, one of the things that, you, that we see through this story, and, uh, and you see a little more of it as you get later on in there, and as you, if you read the whole thing, you kind of get a little better uh, context of the story. But basically, uh, David and his men, you know, you think about they're all uh, fighting men, they're all strong men, he's got his mighty men, and then the other soldiers on top of that, they're providing protection to Nabal and his flocks, you know, so all those thousands of animals, you know, uh, David's there, and he's providing protection, so there's no, here's what we would say today, uh, you know, you should have gotten a contract, right, you should have put it down in writing, you should have uh, yeah. uh, had a, a more specific agreement, but in those days, and in that culture, you know, if there was a, a, a kind of group of soldiers or, or something like that, and they're protecting your land, uh, yeah. they expect yeah. to be paid for that, yeah. right? That I mean, it's it's 
it's not that hard to realize. Uh, David had done that, but they didn't write it down. They didn't uh, agree for a price or anything else. Uh, but you notice David waits uh, until uh, the time of the shearing the sheep or the kind of like a harvest time. You know, that's when uh, Nabal would be, he just, he just sheared those sheep, taken the wool, sold it, and would have made, you know, that's where he would have made a, a lot of money at that time of year. Uh, so there's David sending his men in verses 5 through 8, and he's, I mean, you read it. He's, he's talking nice to them. He's blessing them. He sends 10 of the young men. He doesn't send the old uh, the old guys, he doesn't send the, the mean ones. He doesn't go himself. Uh, he's speaking peaceable, the Bible would say. Uh, and he's just going and asking Nabal, you know, what would you, you give me what you think's fair, right? This, this is what it is. Have you, have you ever been in a deal like this where you, you didn't quite, you, there, you thought there was an agreement, yeah, you yeah. thought everything was made sense, uh, uh, but then when it comes time for money to change hands, now all of a sudden, yeah, yeah all of a sudden they're not sure, uh, all of a sudden it's a big old question mark, uh, and, and he's asking the nicest way possible at the best time possible for payment. That's what he's doing. That's what David's doing right here. And here's the problem. In verse 9, And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and ceased. So they, they, they presented the message and then they waited. And verse 10, And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who's the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. So Nabal is saying, who is David? And here's the thing. Yeah, exactly. They, this is not an honest question. This is not a, I don't know who David is. First Samuel 18, a handful of chapters prior, verse 5. David was accepted in the sight of all the people. Verse yeah, 7, the women yeah, saying, Saul hath slain yeah. his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Yeah. And here's the thing, even the Philistines and Gath knew that song. So you guarantee everyone in Israel knew who David was. And he's saying, who's this David, right? Who's David that he's going to come to me and he's going to want payment for, uh, for protecting my sheep? You know, that's, that's basically what he's saying. And it, today we would say, we wouldn't say that maybe as much as who does he think he is? That's kind of what we would say today. Who, who does this David guy think he is? But look at the last part. There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. And what he's insinuating, and he's it's an insult, is saying, hey, you are rebelling from King Saul. You're, you've broken away from your master. You're, you're just a rebel anyway. Yeah, who is David? As if I don't know who he is. But then he's turning around and saying, well, this is David, the one rebelling with, from the king. So you can imagine how angry this makes David, right? Then look what he goes on. Shall I then take my bread? And my water and my flesh that I've killed for my shears and given unto men whom I, I not know whence they be. And look at this. How much selfishness, self-centeredness. I mean, do you see in his response? And how many times does he say my? Right? Over and over and over again. And here's the thing. When he's talking like that in verse 11, Nabal's talking like that, he's not saying, uh, uh, am I giving you the bread that the Lord's blessed me with? 
No, he's saying it's mine, right? I did this. I worked hard for this. I, I, I planted the thing. I, I told the servants what to do. I, I, my, all of these things he's going on. Doesn't acknowledge the Lord. Doesn't acknowledge the protection from David and his men uh, that kept him from losing any sheep. And here's the thing. This type of talk right here comes from the devil. The devil talks like this, right? Didn't he tell God? He said, I'm going to raise my throne above yours, right? I, I'm going to be higher than you. I with me, my, I. That's The devil uses that language over and over again. And he tries to get us to do it too. But we have to be careful uh, when you get to talking this way because a lot of times it's a red flag that something's wrong. There's pride there. Remember, what did, what did it say with... Uh, where was that churlish definition? That uh, rude, rough-tempered, selfish, unmanageable. I mean, this is what he's saying. This is him being what he's described in the Bible. It's that things, him saying things like that. He's insulting David. I don't even know who you are, uh, but I do know who you are. You're a rebel. And then should I give you out of my stuff? My, my goodness. He had an abundance. Yeah, he, he was a rich man. But he's acting like he is self-made, self-sufficient, and this is the problem. Because this talk leads to the belief of, I don't need God. Right? That's what it leads to every time. What is this world? Have you seen this world talk? They talk like this. Right? Look what I've built. Look what my hard work has done. Look at look at what I've done with my life. Right? My career, uh, my bank account, my uh, uh, retirement, all of my property and everything else. I'll tell you what, we have to be careful. We don't talk like that because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if we're talking like that, then our heart is starting to think that we've built what we've done. And if we're honest with ourselves, if I look at myself, I have not, this is not what Mike has built. In fact, if you see any good thing from Mike, it is in spite of Mike. Amen? It is because the Lord has blessed me. The Lord has called me. The Lord has strengthened me. The Lord has filled me with this Holy Spirit. It's him that does those things. It's not us. But here's the thing. If we start to talk like this or start to think like this, it is a huge spiritual red flag that we need to pump the brakes and say, sorry, Lord, because I have forgotten. And the antidote for this is thanking the Lord. The more you thank the Lord, the yeah. less you'll say, this is my bread and my stuff and my everything else. It came from God. Every good thing. Amen. Every good thing came from the Lord. But notice, he's not talking about God in this whole thing. And he is a fool, right? That's what the Bible's calling him. Is a, that's kind of what Nabal is meaning. It means the fool and the worst type of a fool. And Psalms 53.1 says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Right? Corrupt are they. They've done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. And you look at a verse like that, and I believe our world is trying as hard as they can to prove that verse right. Amen. There are some very smart people that the Bible calls a fool because they're saying there is no God. I don't have need for God. Those that trust in God are weak minded, right? And following fairy tales. That's what they say. But that's Nabal. Selfish, self-centered, not acknowledging the Lord, self-made and everything else. But this is the reality we're living in today. Like it or not, if you go with the Bible's definition, we are surrounded by fools. Amen? We are. They're all around us. We got to deal with them at work. 
We got to deal with them at school. You got to deal with them online, especially. Sometimes even in our own families, we got to deal with them too, right? They don't want to acknowledge there's one true God. They don't want to acknowledge Jesus Christ. They don't want to acknowledge the Bible is true. And you know what they love to do? Just like what Nabal did, they love to take advantage of God's people. Amen? David's taken on this job. He's going to protect this huge, basically, ranch, you would call it. Protect Nabal and his flocks, because in those days there would be raiders. Right? The Philistines, they, they did this a lot. The Amalekites did this a lot through the Bible. They would wait. They wouldn't wait till the beginning when you first planted the crop. They would wait till just before harvest time, or they'd wait till just before you're about to shear the sheep, and they'd steal them. Why? Because they let you do all the hard work, and they'd take the benefits. Right? Isn't that what this world wants? I'm telling you what, I see it every single day at work. That people don't want to work for money. They want to steal it. Right? They'll let someone else work hard for it and work all their life and build up a retirement fund or some nest egg or anything, and they'll scam someone out of it because it's the same thing. They want to take advantage. So David is not only going away without a payment from Nabal, but he's insulted by Nabal. So how's he going to react? What's David going to do? Verse 12. David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And like I said before, today we live in a world full of Nabals, foolish people, selfish people, right? They're greedy. They're insulting. Not willing to help anybody. They only care about themselves. And that was Nabal. He only cared about what he had. His possessions. His riches. So he insults David. He doesn't pay David. But insults him. And David responds with. Gird ye every man his sword. And I can I can see it now. I, I was thinking about this. And, and you know, praying about it. Thinking about it. And I thought my goodness. As soon as David's men. Came to him. And repeated what Nabal said. Can you imagine when he gets to the line who is David you know I can just imagine David saying this who's David I'll show him who David is right I'll show he wants to know me we'll, we'll have a yeah well I'll show him who, who I am and here's the thing you got to stop right here have you ever been there before right have you been there before have you been wronged have you been insulted do you realize this maybe this isn't a secret maybe you already know this maybe not there are people that know exactly what to say and what button to push for each one of us. Yeah. Right? They, sure they know exactly oh. what to yes. say. They'll yeah. say it. Yeah. They'll hit it. Yeah. The right thing to hit us off, set us off in anger or whatever. But the question is, last time that's happened, how did you respond? But how should we respond? Mm -hmm. Right? Look down, we're going to skip down to verse 21 and 22. So a, a big part of this chapter is Abigail. We're not going to cover it tonight. Uh, she's a blessing, but we're not going to cover this. But David, in between the Abigail parts, verses 21 and 22, David is kind of talking it out with his servants as he's heading to Nabal's house. Look at 21 and 22, what it says. David had said, Surely I, in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath, in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained 
unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So he's saying, hey, uh, look, we, we did all this work in vain. Instead of blessing us and paying us, he's given us evil instead. Verse 22, and so and more also do God unto the enemies of David. If I leave all that pertain to him by the morning light, any that pisses against the wall, and here's his plan. This is what he's going to do. Not only gird the sword, not only take out Nabal, he's taken out every man uh, every man in the house, every man's servant, uh, he's killing them all. That's his plan to do. We give him a, we get a glimpse of what's going on in David's mind. And he's saying, listen, I protected Nabal. I did all that stuff, but it was in vain, right? I did all that and it was in vain. Uh, we, we sacrificed ourselves. We stayed up late. We made watch. Uh, we put ourselves in danger to protect him, and it was in vain. Instead, uh, he insulted us. He wouldn't pay me uh, and anything else. So he said, I, I'm just going to kill them all. And you stop and think about this. David is willing to mass murder who, who knows how many people because he was treated wrong in a business deal, and he was insulted. And you stop and think about that. Remember the previous chapter I told you there was that was the chapter I can't remember if it was the cave I think it's the cave one where David's hiding in the cave King Saul's sleeping in the cave uh, and it's either that one or the the other one is where they're uh, again resting I think it's resting or maybe one he's going to the bathroom the other he's resting but either one of them David had two big chances to take out Saul yeah he did and one of them's the previous chapter and he didn't do it. So again, this is a man that wants him dead, literally wants him dead, has tried to kill him, is going after him, uh, trying to hunt him down, and he doesn't kill King Saul. Nabal insults him and goes bad on a business deal, and now not only does he want to kill him, but kill all kinds of people. And you realize that what's going on, what's going on with David right now? What should he have done? Right? What, what, was, what should he have done? Because quickly you realize this is not it. This isn't it. Romans 12, 17 through 21 is really the application of situations like this. And once I start reading them, you'll know these verses. They'll, they're probably familiar. So Romans 12, 17 starts with this. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Yeah. 20. Therefore, yeah. if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire unto his head. Verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I'll tell you one thing. Those verses are easy to read. Right? They're not hard to read. They're small words. They're short verses. They're not a problem. And in fact, I was looking at it. I was like, you know, you could memorize that pretty easily. They're not the bigger verses. They're not the tricky verses in there. I'm not seeing anything tricky. But you know what's hard is putting it into practice. Yeah, right? True. Putting it into play. Here's the thing. The Lord did not take away all of David's problems. Right? Saul 
because of the previous chapter, Saul was calmed down for a moment, but not forever, right? He was, he was calmed down a little bit because David spared his life and he knew it. But then what happens right after that? Samuel dies. And then what happens right after that? Nabal. And then what's going to happen at the end of the chapter that we're not going to deal with? Saul takes away his first wife and gives her to somebody else. Problems, right? David's got problems. He's got different things. He's been tricked. He's been cheated. He's been not uh, uh, been uh, done fairly. He's got enemies. And what do we want? We want a life without problems, don't we? It's not a reality. It's just not. We've got trials. We've got enemies. You know why? The same reason David had them, the same reason everyone in the Bible has them, is so we will trust the Lord. Yes. If we did Amen. not have problems, we would turn into Nabal. Yeah. We would need the Lord. We'd say, look what I've got. But it's in these trials that we've got to lean on the Lord. You cannot naturally deal with a Nabal in the correct way that the Bible says on your own. We can't do it. We've got to trust in the Lord. That vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Again, that's easy to say until you've been really wronged. Yeah. And you want to get vengeance, oh. right? Especially if you have the ability like David. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. 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 But here's the thing. What are we doing? We're dealing, like I said, we deal with fools all the time. We feel, we deal with people who insult us. We deal with people who push our buttons and everything else. But what are we going to do? David was a man after God's own heart. But he was not a perfect man. No. And if he would have went through with this... If you stop and think about it, what do we and David? We we always point to the sin that he committed, Bathsheba, Uriah the Hittite. We point to that adultery, the murder. Do you realize if he would have went through with this, this would have been a worse sin than that? I mean, he probably would have killed hundreds for what? An insult for a bad business deal. I'm glad the Lord stopped him. Amen. Amen. I'm glad the Lord sent someone to get, you know, to get him to stop and think about it. Because it could have been worse. But here's the thing. If David struggled with it, we're going to struggle with it. And I think we just have to be ready. Because once you get the message, the blood pressure goes up, the face gets red, you know, all those things start to happen. And you know what the, the devil wants us to just instantly react in anger, uh, and, and, and not anger and sinning not, but anger and sinning. That's what he wants us to do. And we have to be careful. And here's the thing, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, it's impossible to really live peaceably with everyone because of the other side. But that's why he's saying, if it be possible. Don't let your side of the equation be what's hindering. Amen. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. David is running into a fool. And he's about to do something even more foolish than what Nabal did. And that's what the devil wants. The devil wants to ruin our testimony. He wants to get us to quit. He wants us uh, to have a bad name or, or to give the Lord a bad name in this world. And here's the thing. 
We know things like this will come. We know people will try to push our button. It might even be tomorrow. Hope not, but it might even be tomorrow. And we have to be ready and say, you know what? I'm expecting this. I know it's going to come. And I know I can't do this myself, but Lord, help me. Help me right now to do the right thing, say the right thing, uh, because I don't want to give you a bad name. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin what you've blessed me with. Uh, I remember. I, I tell the story. You'll probably know the person. I'm not going to say his name. He's passed. But uh, we had come back from a mission trip. It was the Sunday after a mission trip. And if you've ever been on a mission trip, or when a bunch of people from the church go on one, when you come back that first Sunday, people are charged. I mean, yeah. people are excited. You're given testimonies. I mean, it's a blessing. Uh, just an awesome time, uh, and we were having a service like that, and someone uh, stood up and just pretty much poured cold water on it. Uh, I was leading the service, and uh, he was saying, uh, I think he's something along the lines of, I don't see why you're going to, whether it was El Salvador, wherever we went that time, I don't see why you're going to El Salvador when there are people that are hungry here. And you're thinking right in the middle of a service, that's not going to bless the service. <laughs> it's, you know, it, just kind of killed the spirit right there. Uh, but I'm standing there as a, you know, someone who went on the trip, someone who believes in missions, someone who, uh, you know, knows the difference between poverty here and poverty there, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. And what I wanted to do, not grab the sword, and, and but I wanted to be, you know, say something not very nice, basically sit down and stop talking, but probably wouldn't have come out that nice. But I'm standing there at the pulpit, and I knew I couldn't say what I wanted to say, so I just had to quickly pray. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do right now. I don't. I don't know what to do. That's not going to end in a sin. That's not going to give you a bad name. That's not going to give this church a bad name, so you're going to have to help me right now. And the Lord, just that quick, said, you go up to him. You apologize. And I don't know if I, I think I gave him a hug. Is that what I did? He told me to do that. And I didn't even think about it. I said, you know what? If the Lord, you said to do it, I'm going to do it. And it deflated everything. Now, again, I mean, the spirit, it killed the spirit. I mean, it killed the church meeting, you know, kind of killed everything. But it also killed the anger, you know. And um, I could have never done that on my own. I would have never. In fact, I, I thought about that afterward. I said, if I would have known it was coming, and had all day to think about it, it wouldn't have been as good as what the Lord told me to do. But I didn't have all day. I had about a minute or two, and, you know, real quick. And uh, But the Lord will do that. Now, I'm not saying I've done that every time, but I can remember one time where I really needed it, and the Lord came through really fast. And I said, thank you, Lord. But uh, that's what we need today. The Lord wants us to respond how are we going to respond to foolishness? Hopefully not with greater foolishness. Amen. This world needs the truth. We're going to have Nabals around us, and he's, he's kind of the worst of the worst. Because one, even one of his own men said, you can't talk to him. You can't even talk to him, basically is what it says in one of the verses. And it's sad, because we've got people like that around us. But you know what? Where we can't talk you know, we can't do anything through talking. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit can soften hearts? Even the hardest heart, the Holy Spirit can. So as we're
praying for revival as we're getting through, getting ready to go into vacation Bible school. Uh, you know, there's going to be difficult kids this week as well. Uh, we just got to be ready for that too and be praying. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things I've learned with, uh, with Brooke being in the school is you, you know, you see behaviors, but she's told me some of the home life stories and you're just oh, like, my goodness, sure you know, I, I would expect the kid to be even worse than they are with a home life like that. So we don't know who's going to come in here, but I'll tell you what, we know someone who can heal broken yeah. hearts, yeah. broken homes, uh, and everything else, and that's Jesus. Uh, so we're going to get a song tonight.